Good morning. Hey, so uh, we are taking a look at faith today and um, asking the question, what is real faith? What does is, what is genuine faith look like? And if I were to ask you, stop you on the street, put a camera in your face and say, what is faith to you? What's real faith? What would your answer be? And by the way, just a side note, uh, I think people in Sugar House see us coming now with cameras because <laughs> we're always like yeah, moving slowly towards them. That wasn't us, but, uh, you know, so if you ever see a camera like that on the street, run. Um, what is faith to you? I, and, and do you ever find yourself, you know, lying awake at night wondering, man, do I, is my faith legit? Is my faith real? Staring at the ceiling, watching the ceiling fan spin round and round, and uh, just wondering, man, what is the faith that I have? Is it real? Is it a real deal? What's it made up of? Well, this morning, we're going to take just a few moments and take a look at this topic. We're going to go to the book of James chapter 2, and we're going to dissect uh, some, some of the passage here, really answer that question. Um, and just as a side note, I, I think that chapter 2 here is probably one of the most controversial and misunderstood sections in the book of James. I think some people like to take this passage and, and, and use it to prove the point that you have to work your way to heaven. You got to work for it. Work, 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 work. You know, go for it. And in other words, I got to build my own spiritual resume. These are the things I've done. Look at my things. And this, this is going to be my, my paper, my entrance into heaven. Yet, in the face of that, the whole entire New Testament says that we are saved by faith alone. We're saved by faith in the grace of God. And Paul says this in Ephesians. He says, by grace, through faith, we are saved. But then James comes along here in this passage we're going to take a look at, and he says, listen, it's just not... It's just not just faith, but faith and works, but faith and kind of what you do. It's a compilation of the two. And so you kind of pause here for a second, and you're like, okay, listen, James, you just kind of screwed up the whole deal, because that's not what Paul's saying. So who's right? Who, who's, who's right here in this, this discussion? Paul is saying we're saved by faith, and, and now, James, you're kind of saying here that we're saved by faith and, and works. What's going on? James or Paul, you want to vote? Let's, let's have, a, let's have a, a showdown here. You know, who's right? Who's wrong? And really, they're kind of both right when you take a look at these scriptures here. But they're talking about different things. They're talking to different audiences. Paul, in, 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 in uh, his verses where he's saying, hey, it's th- by grace through faith that we're saved, Paul is actually talking to people that are struggling with this problem of of legalism. And these are the people that are saying, listen, I've got to keep all the rules. I've got to keep all the Jewish laws. I've got to do all the stuff, all the regulations in order to be a, a, a Christian. So Paul's talking to that group. James, on the other hand, he's not pa- talking to uh, this legalistic group. He's talking to this, la- this laxity group, this kind of this, if I can use this uh, term, this very, very uh, liberal group that is just saying, oh, whatever. And, and they're, they're saying, it doesn't really matter what you do as long as you just kind of believe, right? Don't, it doesn't matter. Just, just kind of believe. And so that's, that's the group that James is talking to. And so they, they're, they're both fighting two totally different topics, two totally different enemies, if you will. They're both using the word works. James is using that. Paul is using it. But when Paul is using the word works in his passages, he's talking to these Jewish people that are saying, you have to do these things. You have to be circumcised. You have to do these regulations. You have to jump through these hoops. James, when he's using the word works, 
he's actually talking more about lifestyle, the lifestyle of a Christian. In other words, your acts of love, your heart. So it's two, two different topics going on here. Paul is focusing on kind of the root of salvation, so you could say he's focusing on what's happening internally. Uh, James is focusing on the fruit of salvation. He's focusing on what, what God is doing in your life that's actually showing up externally in your life. Pa- Paul is talking about, how do I know that I'm actually a Christ follower? James is saying, how do, how do you show that you're a Christ follower? So there's a difference here. Paul's talking about how to, how to become a follower of Christ. James is saying, how do, I, how do I behave like a follower of Christ? So it's not a contradiction. It's different topics. But Paul kind of sums, sums it up. And we'll just quickly look at this, uh, this, this verse here, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And this is a paraphrase, but I wanted you to see it in this paraphrase because uh, some, some words jump out here. Here's what he says. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. For a life of good works that God has prepared for us to do. Now, if you, you take a look at that, I want you to just kind of pick out the, 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 uh, the prepositions. Can you do that? Go, go back to high school and junior high, right? Sixth grade. And look for the prepositional phrases. Okay, I couldn't do it either. So <laughs> first you have to know what a preposition is. It's, it's little words that tie stuff together. And so there are three phrases in there. And, and here they are. By grace through faith, for good works. And if you get it out of that order, you're in trouble. In other words, if, if I think that, that, that God is saving me by works for faith, then I'm in trouble. And Paul is saying here, wait, 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 wait. We are saved by grace through faith. We're saved by accepting God's amazing gift to us. And so the question that we just want to grapple with in the next couple minutes is, according to this passage in James, is how do I know, how do I know what real faith is like? How do I know if I, if I possess real faith? What, is, what does that faith look like in my heart? Is there a test for that? Um, what, what, what is it? I was in a, a store the other day, and I cannot believe this. It's, it's August. I cannot believe this. This store had already had stuff up for Halloween. I'm still killing bugs in my front yard with bug spray, and they're already doing Halloween. But, but I'm, I'm dead serious. I was actually there looking for Christmas stuff. <laughs> I know. I know. That's sick and wrong. I'm like, you don't have Christmas stuff? Well, come on. And, but, but Halloween is this $5 billion, $5 billion, with a B, $5 billion industry here in America. And uh, we love to dress up, we love to put on masks, we love to pretend. Last year I was like a large uh, woman. I don't know what it is. When I dress up like a woman, I look Russian, and then my, my husband or was my wife. It's all very complicated. And she was pregnant at the time, and she had a, a, a it looked like a beer belly, but it was actually Chloe in there. You know, it was, it was fantastic. We love to dress up and have fun. Like, yeah, you love that? It's fun. It's fun. But I think, <laughs> just like we like to do in real life, I think when it comes to our faith sometimes, I think sometimes we, we, wear, we wear masks. We, we pretend sometimes in our faith to be maybe something that we're not. And James says, enough, 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 enough. Listen, I want to tell you, James is saying here, I want to tell you what real faith looks like. 
We talk about our faith all the time. Sometimes it comes in conversation. I have faith in this faith and my faith and blah, 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 blah. And James says, okay, this is what real faith looks like. And as we walk through these, these verses here, he's going to jump out. I'm going to give you some key, key thoughts. And again, I encourage you this every week. Please take me up on it. Would you just jot down some notes? And, and, and here, here's where the ball gets passed off to you is later this week, this allows you to actually engage with God and to chow a little bit, just spiritually soak in this. So just don't, just don't use this time. Use the whole week to soak, soak in this topic. And here we're, we're going to start in verse 14 of James chapter 2. And, and we're going to kind of look at five principles here that James kind of, it comes out. He says, real faith. This is kind of what real faith looks like. Or this is really what real faith may not be. Verse 14, he starts with this. And you can write this down. Write down the word say. Just write down the word say. And, and James says, real faith is not something that you say. Real faith is not just something. It may be, but it's not just something that you say. In other words, it's not just something that you talk about. Verse 14, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? And the, the key word there is, is claims. So, so he doesn't say this man actually has faith. What he's saying is this man claims to have faith. So what, what good is it that if you actually just kind of say you have faith, you talk about it, you kind of know all the right phrases, you drop all the key words, right? And, and, and that's my faith. James is saying, what good is it? It's, it's not any good. You just, just say you have faith. In fact, I looked this up online last night. Graduate Center of the City University of New York came out with a study, and they said right now, People in America, how many people in America actually claim that they are Christians? 150 million people. Now, I don't really understand what that is. When people start saying millions and billions, I just kind of go, oh, I don't get that number. But then they went on to say, one-third of the world claims to be a part of the Christian faith. Okay, now I get that. It's a little bit easier for me to understand. One-third, break it up, one-third. And I think maybe, maybe we just kind of throw the label around. This is just me talking here for a second. Maybe we throw the label around, kind of we sniff something that smells like a Christian or looks like a Christian or we're born in a certain place that looks like a Christian or whatever it might be. We just may assume that label. And that's what James is saying here. Just don't talk about it. Just don't label it. Just don't say what I believe. Or just don't talk about your faith, whatever. Real faith involves more than that. He says it's much more than that. In fact, this isn't on the screen. I'm just going to sum it up here. But Jesus was saying this in, in Matthew 7. And Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Lord, Lord. Jesus says, Not everyone who says that is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, My reply will be, I, I, don't, I don't know you. I don't even know you. Go away. In other words, if I could sum this up, like just use my own words, what I think James is saying here in this passage is talk is cheap. <laughs> talk can be cheap if that's all that your faith is based on. Talk is cheap. James isn't saying that, James, James is saying really is that faith is just not something you say because anybody can say anything. So bottom line from James in this first point here is if we claim to be Christ followers but we don't have any evidence in our life but there's not something to kind of hang our hat on there, there's no evidence of that followship, if I should say that. 
then James would say, maybe that's phony faith if it's just that alone. Well, he goes on to say this. We're going to look now at verses 15, 16, then we'll tag into 17 there. But James says real faith is not just something you say. But then he makes a second point. He says real faith is not just something that you, you feel. So if you're writing that down, you write say and then you can write feel. It's not just something that you feel. Um, in other words, it's real faith is more than, than just emotions. And I think it's easy. I think it's really easy. Let's, let's identify this. It's really easy to confuse emotions and feelings with, with faith. I, I think it's easy to come to maybe K2, excuse me, on a Sunday morning and just get uh, some warm fuzzies, and it's good, and you get goosebumps, and maybe there's a shiver that runs down your spine or whatever. And I think that's fine. I think that's fine. But when James is saying here, when you base your faith off of that, it's, it's more than that. It's just not a feeling. Faith is more than that. So he gives this illustration here. In verse 15, here's what he says. He says, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and, and daily food. And if one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical need, what good is it? I'm reading this verse, and, and the scene that's coming to mind is in Dumb and Dumber, only the greatest movie ever made, right? <laughs> Do you know the scene? I don't even have to tell you the scene. All, you're like, ah, in the first service, people are like, oh, know it where they get to Aspen finally, and the two of them, they don't have a place to stay, and they're next, they're over the fire, right? And Jim Carrey's like, my fingers are freezing! And the other guy, what's his name? Yeah, him. The other guy, he's like, man, you're in the rock, you should come prepared. He's got three, three layers of gloves on or whatever. I think that's what's kind of happening here. James is saying, oh, Faith is more than just a feeling. It's more than just saying. It's more than just saying to your, your buddy, man, you look really cold. I sure hope that works out for you. <laughs> man, you look like you're in pain. I, golly. You know, it's like if after church, you go out to your car, and for some just odd reason, you get eight of your fingers stuck in your car door, and you're in pain, and blood is like, and, and I come out, and I'm like, man, that looks like that stings. How good would that be? There's no action. Faith is just more than this emotion, this feeling, just this, this sympathy. Faith, real faith, is action. Real faith is, is doing something. Real faith takes the initiative. It's practical. Real faith causes us to get involved in other people's lives. Why? Why? Be because God got involved in my life. Real faith causes me to get messy with other people, and it's real messy when we do life together. But, that, but that's what God calls us to do. That's real faith. 1 John three seventeen says it this way. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? See, real faith is, is generous. Real faith gets involved. Real faith actually wants to give. It wants to do. So I've got a question for you, and, and that is, how many people can count on you in, in the midst of crisis? Who, who, can, who can count on you? Two o'clock in the morning, is there a freedom to call you? 
Is there freedom that, that, that people will say, man, I, I need help right now, and they call you? Or is all they get from you like, man, what a bummer. I really hope that works out for you. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. See, real faith is just not talking about it. Real faith is actually, is actually going for it. And, and in 1 John here, chapter 3, I just read it. That actually is one of the proofs that, that I've engaged with God, that God is in my life, that I've, I've engaged with his salvation, that, that, that he is in me, is that I really love other people, right? Because he said, if you don't take any pity, how can the love of God be in you? How can the love of God be in him if, if, if your faith doesn't do anything? So I think what James is saying here is oftentimes we verbalize and we just simply talk about our faith rather than, than practicing it. And I just, I should clarify really quick that, that you and I, we can't help everyone's needs, can we? <laughs> no, but I can help somebody's needs. See, Jesus wasn't even able to help everybody's needs at one time. He didn't do that. But he engaged with the people around him. And James is saying here that if my faith if my relationship with God, my trust in God, if it doesn't lead me to help other people, then I've got a problem. There's something going on in my heart. In fact, in verse 17, we're going to tag this on here. He sort of calls us out on it a little bit. And here's what he says. In the same way, faith by itself, faith by itself, if not accompanied by, by actions, is is slightly sick. Is that what he says? No. He calls it out. He's like, faith without action, these two things go, if it's just faith by itself, but there's no action behind it, there's nothing that's flowing out of that faith. It's dead. It's dead. You just don't have a sick faith. Your faith is probably dead. I don't think if this is really very gray here. Are you getting the feeling it's fairly, fairly clear? When I read this, I, I, I feel like James is drawing a line here, and he's saying, this is, this is real faith. This is the line. You, you, you want to experience real faith in your life. It's more than just what you say. It's more than just talking about it. It's more than just kind of what you feel, you know? He says, it's, it's more than those two things. And then he throws a third one on here in verse 18. He says, it's more, not just say and feel. He goes, it's more than just kind of what you think. It's more than, than just something, just something that you think about. And in verse 18, I, I think James imagines this intellectual observer here, you know, somebody who's, who's just kind of uh, considers matter, uh, uh, faith like something to be studied or debated or talked about or discussed or whatever. And in verse 18, here's what he says. But, but someone will say, someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. And, and it's like he's imagining this, this intellectual person here saying, you've got what you want, I got what I want, you got your faith, I got my deeds, no big deal, it's cool, it's cool. You have your thing, I've got mine, so let's just, you, you just stimulate me uh, intellectually, we can de debate about it, but don't ask me to make any commitments here. And he continues in verse uh, 18, he says, someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds, and then James says, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. If I could just summarize this, <laughs> it'd be in the great words of, show me the money, right? I think that's what James is saying here. Show me. Sh you got faith? You have real faith? Then show me. 
Real, real faith is, is visible. It's something that we can see. It's, it's apparent. If I claim to be a Christ follower, if I claim to have a relationship with God, then people are going to be able to see it in me. It's going to be visible. And here's the deal. If, if I claim to be a Christ follower, then you have every right to look at my lifestyle to see if it proves it. Ah, interesting. I don't know what a calorie looks like. Anybody know what, what an actual calorie looks like? I don't know. I don't know what it is, if it's small, big, or whatever. But I know what a calorie does, right? <laughs> I know what it does. And so you can look at my life and you can say, <laughs> you should cut down your calorie intake because I'm seeing what it does. You probably wouldn't say that, but you, you would know that. Now, if I said to you, too, like, man, I really, 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 really highly value personal health. I would do anything for personal health. I think personal health is, is a high priority. It's, it's something that we ought to do. And you would say to me, ah, that's great. Hey, so does that mean you eat right? Well, you know, sometimes. Well, do you go to the gym? Well, no, I think I have a gym membership. Well, do you, do you, do you sleep at night? Four hours, five, yeah, I sleep at night. Well, do you, do, you, do, do you take vitamins? No, I've thought about it, you know? And, and, and if, if I say that something is really important to me and you ask me those questions, it actually, at the end, it doesn't really matter what I say because what counts is my actual actions, my lifestyle. See, what James is saying here is, is real faith is more than just something that I think or I say or I feel. It's, the, the real point is, can you see it lived out in your life? Can you see it lived out in the lives of others? Show me. Show me. You claim to have real faith? He says, then show me. Prove it. Prove it. Now, here's the bottom line. It's not like we have to go around proving that we are Christ followers. That's not the point. The point is, when Christ is in me, I can't not help prove it. Okay, that doesn't make sense. But go to 2 Corinthians, and it actually makes sense here. Ver, uh, chapter 5, verse 17. Paul kind of puts it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Maybe not overnight, but anyone who's in Christ starts becoming new. And here's the point, right? You, you can't... You can't grab onto a 220-volt line of electricity. Can you do that? Without being radically impacted. <laughs> Only in Jaws. <laughs> That's how he kills the fish. But, but otherwise, the rest of us, non-Hollywood, when we grab onto this thing, 220 volts, it's going to impact your life. And, and, and James is saying here, listen, Christ in you, real faith in you, actually produces change. It produces something that, that is beyond you. It's something that, that you can't manufacture. It's something that people will notice and see in your life. What is that? It's Jesus Christ in your life. That's what produces the change. So we're making this list here. He says, real faith, it's not something that you say. It's not something you feel. It's not something you think. And then he throws a fourth one on here in verse 19. He says this, you believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. 
I think what he's saying here is there's a lot of people that have strong belief, and maybe they have strong belief in God or strong belief in, in the Bible or, or about Christ or whatever, and, they, and maybe there's even people that can talk about the doctrine of, of, of Trinity or doctrine of this or doctrine of that and recite verses and all of this stuff, and James says, okay, great, good. Hey, good, good, good. But just saying I believe in God is not enough, is not enough. Verse 19, he says, because after all, the, the, the devil believes that. Even the demons believe in God, right? And the last time I checked, they're, they're probably not going to spend eternity with me or with you. And, and the devil is no fool. The devil's no fool. He's, he's probably one of the greatest theologians. He, 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 he probably knows the, the scripture more than you and I do, backwards and forwards. He's been around a whole lot longer. Of course the devil believes in God. Of course the demons believe in God. They know who he is. And the, the scripture says in verse 19, they shudder. They bristle at it. The hair on the back of their whatever stands up at the thought of God. Why? Because they understand the, the, the majestic power, the awesomeness, they understand who God is, and they shudder at that. They believe, they tremble. But their belief is not the type of faith we're talking about here. I can believe in a lot of things. But when I start to understand what James is talking about, real belief here, when I start to understand that word, that word belief in the Greek means to cling to to cling to, to, to trust in, to rely, to commit, to commit myself completely. That's the belief. It's, it's, it's more than just a head knowledge, agreeing to a set of facts. It's more than, than any of that. It's been said, this isn't, this isn't my phrase, but it's been said that a lot of people may miss eternity with God by 18 inches. Belief in God is just not agreeing to a set of facts. It's more than that. It's trusting. And I, I believe that if James was standing here today, he might use words like, it's just more, more than that, because that would just be phony faith. It's not just checking the boxes. It's putting your trust in God. It's not something you say, you think, not just those things. It's not just something you feel, not just something you believe. But then he ends it like this, and he says, listen, real faith, it's not just those things. Real faith is something you do. It's, it's active. It, it, it's, it's not passive. It's, it's something that we commit to. It's something that, that drives us forward. Man, I can hear James writing this and, and talking to people about this, and he throws out two illustrations at the end of this passage we're looking at here in verses 20 all the way through 26. Two illustrations about two people who actually were living in faith. And he draws these two stories, just not out of the hat. He's very specific about who he picks because these stories of people that have faith, real faith, are, are, they couldn't even be more different. One, one is Abraham, the other one is, is Rahab. Abraham's a man, Rahab's a woman. Abraham is this, is this, this Jewish guy. Rahab is, is Gentile, totally different, different styles of life there. Abraham is this patriarch, he's the leader. Rahab, she's, she's a prostitute. Abraham is, is this somebody. He's, he's kind of a major character in the Bible, right? Rahab, she's, she's kind of a nobody on, 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 on the blip of the screen, and she's a minor character. And yet, in all of this, these two illustrations, James throws out here in chapter 2 to say, it doesn't matter who you are. 
It doesn't matter who you are as long as you have the important thing. And that is, that is that, that you have a real faith in God that leads you to live it out, that leads you to action, not just merely talking or thinking or, you know, believing or checking off the boxes. And so in verse 20, he starts talking about Abraham. And here's what he says. It goes all the way through verse 23. You foolish man, do, do you want evidence that, that faith without deeds is useless? And I would insert, yeah, okay, here it is. Here's my first piece of evidence. He says, verse 21, was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Was he not? Well, yeah. Verse 22, you see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made, and this is really important here, it was made complete by what? By what he did. His, ma- his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, God believed Abraham. So how do we know that Abraham was a man of faith? Well, we saw it. There's evidence here by what he did. He, be- he, he behaved in a certain way because of what God was doing inside of him. It spilled out in his life. We can witness it here. It goes on in verse 23. Abraham believed God, so God declared him to be righteous. He was even called the friend of God. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. And you may know the rest of the story that this actually is really the ultimate test for Abraham and uh, God asks him to give up his own son Isaac. And, and so this, really, this, this story really doesn't have anything to do with salvation. It doesn't really have to do with anything of, 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 of whether or not um, God's doing the saving in this story as far as his salvation. It's not a story of that. What this story is about is, is whether or not Abraham lived out his faith. Because at this point, Abraham was already considered a follower of God. And so the real, the real point of this story is, did Abraham obey God? Did he do it? And not only did he do it, but did he do it immediately, and did he follow God? And he did. He took his son, and he took all the stuff, and he did all the faith, faith steps, and he followed God, and he was ready to sacrifice his own son. He didn't think about it, didn't kind of you know, mull it over. He did it immediately. He followed God. It was faith in action. Why? Because he trusted God. And it can't, it just spilled out of his life. And he began to obey God. And he went up there. In fact, it says in the story, he said to his son, we will return. He didn't say I. He looked at Isaac and said, we will return. He knew. He knew if, if God had to raise his son from the dead, that he would. And kind of, God sort of kind of did that, right? Figuratively speaking. Right as Abraham is ready to sacrifice Isaac, God says, okay, enough. A righteous man, your faith came through your actions. I was trying to see what was the most important thing in your life, and you proved it. See, the deal with Abraham, he held nothing back. He wasn't just doing stuff to look good, right? Because that's the Halloween mask. He wasn't just doing stuff to impress other people, right? Because that's just kind of basing your faith off of uh, you know, your resume. Abraham was doing stuff and obeying because God asked him to. And it was God spilling out in his life. That's cool. And then we get to this great, great story then James says here about Rahab. She's on the opposite side of the spectrum, right? Found Joshua chapter 2. And just, just a, a story where this prostitute, this Rahab, she helped out a couple of God's spies. They're coming into Jericho and she, she helped them. And in the end, Rahab actually ends up being in the family line of Jesus. 
Isn't that amazing? A faithful woman, she risked her life to do what God asked her to do. Verse 25 and 26, now to James 2, says this, In the same way, not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteousness for what she did when she gave lodging to spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body, as, as the body without spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. We really have to understand this, that our, our faith is not determined by what we do. You catching that? Our faith isn't determined by what we do. It is demonstrated by what we do. And in a real sense, as I read through this passage here, I feel like God is saying to me, listen, <laughs> K2, Andy Marshall, you, us, talk is cheap. Talk is, talk is cheap. If, if I say I'm a follower of Christ, then James is yelling back, prove it then. Prove it. What is your life like? Is God spilling out in your life? Is your behavior showing where you've really placed your trust? In 2 Corinthians 13.5, Paul challenges us and he says, listen, examine yourself. Examine yourself to see whether you are in faith. Test. Check it out. Are, 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 are you merely just kind of saying it? <laughs> are you just kind of agreeing and checking the boxes? Are you, is it just kind of been something you feel? Or Paul is saying here, is Christ spilling out of your life? Because when he is, when he is, I can tell you where your heart is, and that's real faith. The band's going to come up in a few minutes, and, and I want to I let us wrestle with this and ask you a couple questions and just really process this for a moment so it takes some traction in our life. And, and, and the question is, has my faith been built off of any of those things? H have I been putting too much stock in merely just just agreeing, yeah, I'm one of the 150 million, or, or I, I just show up, or, or I just kind of do this thing, or I check the boxes. Or am I actually trusting God, and, and, and am I growing with Him, and I'm in this relationship with Him, so much to the point where I see, I see Him spilling out in my life. And what changes in my life can I point to to show that evidence? See, the, the problem is, is that, that if I'm not different from anywhere else, anyone else, if I, if I don't look different, if I, if, if I don't, my life I'm talking about, if, if there's no evidence in my life, then am I really actually engaging with God? A few days ago, we were at this uh, summit conference where uh, Brad Anderson, he's the CEO of Best Buy, he was being interviewed, great leader. And the interviewer asked him this question. He said, Brad, do people know at Best Buy that you're a Christian. Do, pe do, you, do you go around, do you tell people that I'm a Christian? And it's almost like you hear the whole crowd just kind of lean forward and go, what's your answer? What do you think he said? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna summarize. He basically said, I don't really have to because they're gonna see it in my life. And I wanna challenge you, if you've been sitting in K2 for a long time or any other churches or just been kind of walking along with, with God in, in this relationship with him, 
James is screaming from the pages. Real faith causes you to obey. It causes you to action. It causes you to do. Not because we're working for any salvation. Not because any of that hinges upon eternity. It's because it's God spilling out of me. And if I don't have that, then I'm missing a big portion of what God has designed me to do. It's kind of like this. We, we've got this mantra here, right? Focused, tight, and what? Yeah. FTO, focused, tight, and out there. But I would submit that this would probably be just a really great club if we deleted the out there piece. See, real faith gets messy pretty quickly. Real, real faith is difficult. Real faith engages with people. Why? Because I'm strong in myself? Because I'm clever in myself? Because, because I just want to look great? No, 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 no. That's who Paul was talking to. That's legalism. Real faith gets traction when I am touched by the hand of God and I can't shut up about it and I can't sit down and I can't be marginalized about it and I have to do something because he's asked me to do it and guess what? I can do it on his own strength because I trust him. That's what James is saying. And as we go into this worship time, I'd love for you to take inventory of your life. If you've been walking with Christ for a long time, how would you categorize your faith? What would you say about your faith? And what is God asking of you today about your faith? And for some of you in here, you might, you might have yet to settle that as far as, man, I, maybe I haven't entered into faith with Christ yet. I, I don't, wouldn't say that I necessarily have a relationship with God. And again, I want to remind you, it's going back to Ephesians, what Paul said is by grace that you've been saved. It's nothing that I do. And that picture is so beautiful. It's like God reaching down his hand by grace, loving. And the by faith part is me reaching back and grabbing on. That is a true picture of the relationship and real faith that God is calling us to. And when I engage with the God and the maker of the universe, watch out. Life changes life changes. Would you pray with me? God, I want to thank you for your, uh, your truth today. And thank you for the fact that you're pointing out to us again and again and again that it's it's not my doing. This, this all has been you. You engaging me. You intimately pursuing me, us. You sending your son as a sacrifice. You paying the penalty of sin and, and death. You giving us life and grace and, and freedom and forgiveness for all the stuff that we've done. God, we recognize that today. God, thank you for your hand that reaches to us, reaches down and grabs us. And by faith, the little amount that I have to be able to say I engage. I want that. I need that. Lord, may K2 in our lives, right now, our lives be marked by that love. That when people see us, that this faith that you've given to us, this grace, this life and freedom spills over. Not that we're trying to win brownie points and try to impress you because we never will. 
but just cut out gratitude, gratitude of what you've done for me and what you have done. Oh, more than I could ever thank you for. More life, <laughs> oh, more forgiveness. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your gift. Take our lives, God. Seriously, take our lives. Use them as you want. Help us to get messy <laughs> in glorifying you. We praise you your name. Amen. We're going to spend uh, some time worshiping. And again, man, this is just a personal time for you to really connect with God. If you, I, I'd love to just encourage you to, to let the things around you just kind of melt away. You've got stuff in your week you're thinking about. Um, agendas are coming up, things that you have to do, appointments. And would, would you just check that today at the door? Just check it at the door of your heart and engage with God right now. And for some of you, that might just be crying out to Him, saying, God, would you increase faith in me and uh, obedience in me and trust in you so I could follow you, so I can gain some traction in my faith with you. For others of you, it might be the first time you've ever prayed to God. <laughs> and it might be simple, just sitting and listening for Him and engaging. And as we worship and sing, we're also going to take an offering. And I want to remind you again that this offering is a fantastic way to worship God. It's a great way to worship God. To, to give back to Him some of what He's already given to me. To say thank you for blessing me. And if you would like to participate in that, you can. If you're visiting with us, Zero pressure. This is really uh, just a moment between you and God. So stand with me. The uh, ushers are going to come forward and let's worship together.